0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 4th and it's just going to be a one man show today. I'm going to spend the next 15 to 20 minutes recapping number 2 Ohio State's 21-10 win over number 5 Notre Dame in the Horseshoe. I was there. It was an electric environment, a great crowd. I think there was over 106,000 of us in the Horseshoe. And you know, for the better part of 3 quarters we were kind of sitting on our hands because it took Ohio State a while to get the lead in this game and then get control of the game, which didn't happen to the fourth quarter. But it was a great environment. The crowd was great. I can boy, there were five or six instances, especially when Notre Dame had the ball where the crowd was deafening. And I think it it definitely had an impact uh, on the Notre Dame offense, Um, but a, a really fun environment. And it was nice to see Ohio State deliver a win in this setting as I had said in our, pre, in our preview pod uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, Ohio State had not played well in these talent equated non-conference games in the horseshoe for quite some time going all the way back to 2004, pardon me, 2005, Ohio State was one in five in talent equated non-conference home games. And uh, last night for about three quarters, it looked like they were going to deliver another stinker on the big stage at home. But uh, thankfully, uh, Ohio State was able to pull one out of the fire. They win 21 to 10. In the post game press conference, Ryan Day was asked if he was concerned about the struggles of his offense and Day said, quote, I refuse to answer that question. We just beat the number five team in the country by 11 points, end quote. Day went on to say he couldn't be more proud of how his team played, especially in the fourth quarter. He mentioned that last year, many people questioned his team's toughness, but last night that toughness was on full display and this game day said, we'll quote pay dividends down the road End quote. So if you ask Ryan day about it, it was a, a big win for, for his team. Uh, he was very happy with the performance of his team. Uh, I'm still kind of sorting through my feelings on what this result meant. And whether or not I thought it was you know, a real quality win for Ohio State, more on that in a minute. Now look, the Buckeye defense carried the night, holding Notre Dame to 253 total yards of offense and only two and a half yards per carry in the run game. Linebacker Tommy Eichenberg led the Buckeyes with nine tackles, three tackles for loss and two sacks. That's a nice follow-up by Eichenberg to his Rose Bowl MVP performance back in January. Um, but for me, the story of the game was defensive tackle mike hall he was everywhere hall finished with a sack and two tackles for loss but to me it felt like he did way way more than that Uh, you could feel his presence every time he stepped on the field and hall delivered a couple of big back-to-back plays on notre dame's first possession of the game when they had uh, when they took advantage of a missed tackle by josh proctor on a what should have been a short pass play by sonny styles which he was able to run all the way down, what, 54 yards into the Ohio State red zone. Well, Mike Hall turned in two back to back plays, big plays, uh, to force Notre Dame to settle for a field goal on that possession. So I love what I saw out of Mike Hall uh, earlier in fall camp. Larry Johnson said that he had an alpha dog in his room, but he wouldn't say who it was. I mentioned this on the preview pod on Wednesday and all of us were assuming that he was talking about JT to him. And that may still be the case. But now I'm wondering if Johnson was referring to Mike Hall Hall was a junkyard dog last night. And I also love the emotion out of Hall. Um, huge lift for that defense and, and he brings an element from the defensive tackle position that we just didn't have last year in terms of you know being able to get pressure up the middle and it was very effective uh, defending the run as well and hall is a player that we've been hearing about throughout fall camp which is you know it's always a great sign you that's always uh, you know very promising when you're hearing about a young player turning heads in camp and everybody's talking about him coaches and players so great early returns on mike hall uh, for the Buckeye defense. And then lastly, junior safety Lathan Ransom. What a great story Ransom is. He suffered a broken leg in the Rose Bowl just in January, and he comes back uh, making a full recovery, comes in in relief of Josh Proctor. More on Proctor in a second. But man, it was a disappointing night by Proctor. Ransom comes in, replaces Proctor after he whips on the 54-yard uh, reception, finishes the game at safety, he has several big tackles in the game. So I love what I saw out of Ransom. And if you were listening closely uh, during fall camp, when Jim Knowles was interviewed, anytime Ransom's name came up, uh, Knowles had a lot of positive things to say. You can tell Ransom earned Knowles trust early in camp. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what Ransom does here the remainder of the season, and and I thought actually it was a really good night for the most part. Proctor aside, for that safety group, um, if you look at what Michael Mayer, Notre Dame's uh, All-American tight end, did last night, uh, pretty pedestrian numbers: five receptions uh, for 32 yards on eight targets. Uh, good job by the Ohio State uh, safety group last night, I thought. So back to Josh Proctor and. You know, as maybe his biggest fan, uh, I'm starting to wonder now or really worry for him, like, where is he going to fit into this defense moving forward? I've always felt that Proctor is has been largely a victim of circumstance. Uh, You know, the 2020 season, I mentioned this on the preview pod, the 2020 season, he only got to play in four regular season games. I don't think Matt Barnes and. Kerry Combs really knew what they were doing. I don't think they knew really how to evaluate talent, or certainly Barnes didn't. I believe he was the safeties coach at the time, and somehow they thought that Marcus Hooker was the better player. But Proctor ended up, you know, he did end up winning that job in 2020, played in the postseason, had a big interception in the Big Ten title game. And then last year, he breaks his leg in week two. Um, But what we have seen from Proctor, in addition to some, some flashes, we have seen him take some banana angles. On, uh, uh, you know, back there at, at, at safety. And that has led to some big plays for the opponent. Um, I thought the quick hook that he got from Jim Knowles last night, I don't know if it was Perry Eliano or Jim Knowles, whoever made that call. I don't think the quick hook after that missed tackle on Styles uh, was a great sign for him because neither of those coaches uh, recruited. Proctor and they don't owe him anything. And then to have Lathan Ransom come in and play as well as he did, I I worry now that Proctor might be kind of relegated to a backup and playing mostly on special teams. So a big bummer for Josh Proctor, but also at the same time, you know, uh, a huge opportunity and a great story for Lathan Ransom coming in and playing as well as he did. And it's fortunate for Ohio State and for Ohio State fans that the Buckeyes had another option at safety uh, after you know Proctor took that bad angle. It was a, you know, it was a weird night for the Ohio State offense and, and in the passing game in particular. Uh, you know, it starts with J- the Jackson Smith and Jigra uh, injury. Smith and Jigba went down in the first quarter with what looked like maybe a hamstring injury. Uh, he tried to play through it, but clearly he was limited and was not a factor in the game. I don't believe he played uh, after the first possession of the third quarter, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, uh, you know, you you add that to, the, to Julian Fleming, who was a game time decision and did not play. Ohio State was down, you know, two starters at receiver, two key starters, including Smith and Jigba, who's one of the top five or six players in all of college football, and they had to lean on a former walk-on in Xavier Johnson and sophomore Jaden Ballard, who has barely played, uh, to, to play meaningful snaps, both both Johnson and Ballard. They both played over 20 snaps last night, way more than anybody would have expected. And to give Xavier Johnson credit, he delivered a huge 24-yard touchdown reception at the end of the third quarter to give a, the Buckeyes a lead they would not relinquish. Um, And, uh, you know, then on the ensuing kickoff, uh, Johnson has a huge tackle um, to pin Notre Dame inside their 20-yard line. Uh, What a great story Johnson is. I think uh, Chris Fowler referred to him as Ohio State's Swiss Army Knife, and I think that's a perfect description. Johnson does a lot of different things for Ohio State special teams, and now at receiver, it was great for him to to get a moment like that, to put Ohio State up, as he did um, at the end of the third quarter in an absolutely huge game. Um, You know, oddly enough, maybe the biggest pass play of the night in this game was a third down completion to Mayan Williams in the fourth quarter with the Buckeyes clinging to a four point lead. C.J. Stroud was flushed from the pocket and he made a pinpoint throw to Williams, who made a sliding catch along the sidelines barely getting both feet in, uh, and that play extended a drive that the Buckeyes would eventually score on and go up 21-10, and that was basically your ball game. So a uh, weird night uh, for the Ohio State offense, and in the passing game in particular, it was kind of, uh, you know, they did get enough plays, just enough plays in the passing game to pull this one out. It was, uh, it was kind of a committee effort, and you had some uh, unlikely heroes in the passing game. Xavier Johnson and, and uh, you know, a player like Mayan Williams. I thought Emeka Igbuka was solid. Uh, he played all 71 offensive snaps. And anybody who listens to this podcast will tell you, I have been driving the bus for Igbuka since last season. And this was his uh, first real opportunity to play starter snaps. He played all 71 offensive snaps for the Buckeyes. He finished with nine catches on 12 targets for 90 yards and a 31-yard touchdown catch. Marvin Harrison Jr., he was a bit of a disappointment, I thought. Only five catches on 11 targets for 56 yards. I mean, look, Harrison Jr., he's been getting a lot of hype this offseason after that three-touchdown performance in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, look, it's only one game so far this season. He's still only a true sophomore, but maybe I don't know. Maybe we need to slow our roll a little bit on Harrison. I also thought Ryan Day could have gone to his run game much earlier than he did. Uh, but he, you know, as as we've seen him in the past do, uh, he seemed bound and determined to try to force the issue throwing the ball in the first half. I was listening to the Buckeye Talk podcast. I think it was Nathan Baird who said last night's game was a little reminiscent of the Big Ten title game in 2020. If you remember in that game, Ohio State was shorthanded. Chris Olave was unavailable because of COVID. You had uh, Justin Fields, who I think might have been a little nicked up. And... Uh, Ryan Day waited until very late in that game to go to, to go to his running game, even though it was there and working from the beginning. And we remember, you know, the record setting performance that Trey Sermon put up in that game. But uh, it to me, it seemed the run game was there was available to Ryan Day from the very early stages. And as he is want to do, because he is a quarterback, you know, focus coach somebody who likes to be aggressive in the passing game. He really tried to force the issue early on, despite being short handed at receiver. He called 19 pass plays in the first half to only nine running plays. And I think uh, it was an odd mix of of pass plays that weren't very effective. And that really played into Notre Dame's hands, I thought. And, uh, you know, Ohio State, a lot of short possessions, a lot of three and outs. Uh, so some curious play calling with Ryan Day. I don't know. Maybe he's still maturing as a play caller. Like we forget, he's still a young coach, even though he's now in year four. Um, but it's good reason to question him on some of the play calling. Uh, but to his credit, he did finally lean on the running game uh, in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, especially on that 95-yard scoring drive that put up that put Ohio State up 21-10 and effectively ended the game. Trey Henderson started that series, um, and it was finished by Mayan Williams, as we, remem- we, as we remember. Uh, Williams punctuated that drive with a, a, a one-yard scoring dive, although he barely got that across the goal line. On the night, Henderson finished with 91 yards on 15 carries. Williams, 84 on 14 carries, so solid output from the run game. But I just feel like they could have gone to it earlier. I also would have liked to see more carries for Travion Henderson than the 15 that he got Uh, wouldn't have minded seeing travion henderson involved in the passing game a little bit more we know he can do some things in uh, as a receiver out of the backfield and you would think you know no jackson smith and jigba no julian fleming uh ryan day searching for answers uh throwing the football and you know also missing some of his big play uh you know capability in smith and Jigba why wouldn't you have leaned a little bit more on travion henderson i I think that is a legitimate question um but uh, on the other hand i guess you could argue it was just going to be one of those nights a low scoring game you had a notre dame team come in with a a really good plan uh, and took advantage of some key absences for ohio state and it was going to be one of those nights where you're just going to have to run clock and grind it out and, you know, that's that's exactly what they did in the fourth quarter. And Mayan Williams did a good job of that, uh, you know, salting away the clock, you know, with those four or five, six yard carries, you know, gradually wearing down the Notre Dame defense, kind of breaking their will. So, I, I, you know, I'm still trying to decide uh, if this was truly a good win for Ohio State. And I know how that sounds right um, yeah, on its face a double digit win over a top five team and a fellow playoff contender, by the way, is a very good win. I mean, look, Notre Dame finished number five in the final CFP rankings last year. We know they made the playoff the year before. So a win over a legit fellow playoff contender, you know, always nice to have. That's a big feather in Ohio state's cap. Uh, You know, a huge win for their playoff resume, but, You know, if we look at this performance through the lens of, was it good enough to beat the likes of Alabama or Georgia? Because let's face it, that's the benchmark. I don't think that we can say it was. I mean, look at what Georgia did to number 11 Oregon yesterday, 49 to three. I mean, that game was over midway through the second quarter. And if that's the standard, you know, and it should be, in my opinion, then I think Ohio State has some work to do. One other observation on the defense, you know, as good as it was, and you know, it was more than just the three players that I mentioned. It it was more than just Mike Hall, Eichenberg, Lathan Ransom. I love what I saw out of JT Tui Malowow. I love what I saw out of Ronnie Hickman. Uh, You got the feeling watching that defense that they had more than just one guy who could make a play for them, that they had five, six, seven, maybe eight guys on that defense that you could count on to make a play when they really needed it. But you know, we also need to bear in mind that this is a pretty limited Notre Dame Notre Dame offense, especially at the skill positions. Uh, they were down one of the probably their best interior offensive linemen, Jared Patterson, did not play. Um, and uh, there are going to be stiffer tests for the silver bullets coming later in the schedule. So just bear that in mind. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I plan to wrangle both Paige and Chad for a second look at the Notre Dame result. Uh, A little later this week, I want to get both Paige and Chad's takes on what they thought about that game. And we'll also spend a little bit of time looking ahead to Ohio State's Week 2 matchup with Arkansas State. Until then, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a good night. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And visit our website at southstandsosu.com.